What's up, podcasters? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Chief Psycho Podcast. I am your host, JB, aka Chief Psycho himself. Today, I'm going to be talking about mental health and dental wealth, and of course, dentistry. <laughs> Did you happen to know that the suicide rate in dentistry is one of the largest amongst most professions within the healthcare industry? It's quite fascinating and quite scary. And today, I'm going to be talking to Dr. Buscemi, who really focuses and emphasizes on mental health and practice. Dr. Buscemi is passionate about biomimetic, biological, and airway dentistry, and their immense benefits that it provides to his patients' long-term health and overall well-being. After getting frustrated with the limits and at times negative consequences of traditional dentistry, Dr. Buscemi sought out a superior alternative to treating his patients and addressing their health needs and concerns, all while restoring their smiles. After graduating from the prestigious University of Michigan School of Dentistry in 2014, Dr. Buscemi went on a search for an alternative to traditional dentistry. On this journey, Dr. Buscemi found a conservative and minimally invasive dental approach termed biomimetic dentistry. Through the search for this alternative to traditional dentistry, Dr. Buscemi's passion for the link between oral and whole body health only grew further. I'm so excited for you to meet Dr. Buscemi. He has an awesome podcast that I was able to get featured on. So definitely take a look and listen to his podcast too. His mental health is dental wealth. So definitely take a look at it. But I'm excited for you to listen more about what he's sharing about creating mental health awareness within practice. So let's drop over to our interview with Dr. Buscemi. Welcome to the Chief Cycle Podcast, Dr. Vince. How are you doing today? Good, good. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Well, I'm so excited to have you on today. I really appreciate you having me on your podcast a few weeks ago. That was a ton of fun. And I'm really excited for our conversation today. <laughs> JB, people loved that episode. I learned so much from it. Thank you for being on. Oh, good. I'm so happy to hear that. Well, great. I'm excited for what our listeners and what our community is going to hear from you. Um, share a little bit about yourself about your story, inspiration, background, give us all the goodies. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So I'm a private practice dentist in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. And because of my history, I have such a passion for preventing or curbing depression, anxiety, and even suicide ideation in dentists. Because it's such a problem. Mental health is such a problem in dentistry. And I would love to help my peers with what I've learned over the past couple of years. I love that. I think that's so important. And it's crazy timing too. I had a call with another coach earlier and she was sharing about you know, life coaching and life coaching dentists, especially those that are in the space of suffering from suicidal thoughts, depression, what have you. So I'd love to learn a little bit more about what specifically in that area or that sparked your interest really to be the voice, champion the change and bring awareness. Yeah, that's a great question. So maybe this is two, three years ago, Within a span of one year, I had a corporate divorce with business partners. I lost $200,000. Um, an angry patient reported me to the dental board. So I was on the chopping block for that. And my sister was diagnosed with stage four cancer, all within wow. 12 months. And in that time, I started a new practice. I was in a crap load of debt. And I just, I felt like this was rock bottom. I like, other than maybe one of your kids developing cancer or a kid dying, I feel like this is as low as my life could have gotten. And I didn't know how to get out of it. So I had to do some research to make sure I could be strong enough myself to support my family and my sister and my patients and staff. Wow. 
that's incredible. That's a, that's a lot to experience in the last couple of years. Was this during the pandemic or in midst of the pandemic prior to? <laughs> it was it, the tail end. So between, okay. I think like the year of 2021 and like early 2022, all of this kind of came about. Wow. That's incredible. And that's, it's amazing to hear the story, hear the understanding, hear the impact, you know, that it had on you and what it looked like for you to get out of that, right? You, we joined this call sharing about one of your goals being met. So I, I love hearing about that too. How are you talking about mental health and bringing sense of awareness to suicide prevention in your practice or with some of the other people that you're speaking and connecting with? So a lot of the drive of my podcast is um, mental health, and I'm reaching out to schools. So I'm going to speak at the University of Michigan, which is my alma mater, um, to the students about burnout and depression, and a lot of the local dental societies as well. I'm reaching out to speak to them about that too. Amazing. I think that's so cool. And that actually brings something up that I recently read the other day, which was around burnout. Um, I read a quote that was talking about burnout being organizational versus individual. What are your thoughts and takes on that? How, how are you assessing your own burnout or realizing when you're on the cusp of it? JB, I think you're totally right. I think it's a combination of both. I interviewed Abby and Becca from Design, uh, Thriving Coaching, and they described burnout as a thousand little cuts that eventually brings you down. And I agree with you, if your organization has a toxic environment, when your employees come to work, they're getting a little cut each day, which would lead to their burnout as well. Wow. So that's such an interesting way to look at it too, from like the moment of cutting. Like, of course, that's a whole different conversation. (laughs) Um, But it's, it's a way that you can look at it and frame it. So when I saw like the quote about organizational versus individual, and we consistently talk about how to avoid individual burnout, but with you mentioning the toxic environment, how is that pouring into you, where are those attributions taking place? It's very difficult to see really the light at the end of the tunnel. And I always say, is it a light at the end of the tunnel or is it another train coming at you? So how you kind of stay positive in that space it's very questionable, right? Because we don't know mentally where we're at. And then here's one more thing to be considerate of. And now you're now having to be considerate of that. And now also risk whatever impact or ripple effect that can create for you. And it's really sad. And it's really eye opening, though, too, because when we start looking at like mental well being and well being in the workplace, well, what does that really look like? How does that really sound? How does that show up? when we're on this mission of closing that percentage of the suicidal rate or increasing suicide prevention, how does that really become a common topic in practice, especially in our profession, when we're in that top three percentile of dental hygienists, assistants, and dentists falling in that category? Do you see a real opportunity for change outside of just education? Or do you think it's also a little bit of the system that has set up some dentists for not to say failure, but for staggered success? Well, I think it all lies on the individual to turn your life around. I do think dentistry in general is like set up perfectly to make people depressed, burnt out. As humans, it's so hard for us to be compassionate and treat patients all day while at the same time navigating the complexities of an intimate work environment, at the same time navigating your home life 
and all the other complexities of life is there's like so many facets of when you're on stage. And I think as our brains, if we don't draw boundaries, we can burn out very easily and get depressed very easily. Yep. I completely agree with you. Those boundary settings, I think are the most important things to really put in a place and then one to honor them. You know, I'm somebody that's terrible when it comes to honoring some of my time constraints or time boundaries, because, you know, I feel like "Ah, I can move it around. I'll shuffle where I need to, but what is that really doing? You know, it's still slowing me down. That's one extra step to shift and pivot. Also shift my thought process around it. How are we then moving forward into whatever action or idea might be necessary to be created? That's an interesting way to look at it. So how are you seeing some of this anxiety or pressure as a dentist from some of your patients? Are you Because you're in the mental health space and in that discussion, are you witnessing and seeing things show up differently from your patients? I am. I think it's important for dentists to realize there's a difference between empathy and sympathy. So empathy is understanding your emotions. So let's say you're sad, JB. JB, I understand you're sad. But sympathy is if you're sad, I also feel sad. And all your patients, everyone now, everyone's in debt, everyone's unhealthy, everyone's struggling. And if you absorb all your patients' emotions, you yourself are going to burn out and get depressed really quickly. So you have to draw that line And you're not a bad provider or dentist if you don't feel what they feel. Mm, That's a huge distinction I had made as a young dentist. If I feel sad because they're sad, it doesn't make me a better dentist. But if I understand their emotions, that does make me a better dentist. Wow. That is a really, really cool distinction there. Because when I think of empathy, I feel as empathy is connected with like the feeling of being empathic, meaning I need to feel your feelings as opposed to understanding and sympathizing with whatever the scenario, issue, challenge, hurdle that that person's going through. It's not like, it's almost like you're putting yourself in the seat of the patient when you're going to schedule or present the treatment plan, right? Now, woe is me. You don't have money to pay for your treatment. I don't have money to pay for my treatment. So I'm going to get you enrolled in that side of thinking. Like, it's crazy. It's such a trip. But being able to go back and look at the distinction between empathy versus sympathy, that is so cool. I love that. Can you share a little bit more about, you know, how you bring that forward? I think the main thing is you you really got to, believe that if you don't feel what they're feeling, you're not bad. So mm-hmm. a lot of the times, like you present, let's say a five or $10,000 treatment and like they feel bad, they can't pay for it. You can't translate that into the next patient. You don't present what they need because you're going to feel bad if they feel bad. You can still be a really good person and not feel what other people are feeling. Wow. I love that. That is just so cool because that's not something that I have ever heard within a practice as far as how to, one, close treatments, how to connect with your patients, how to actually resonate with your team to ensure that they are connected and sharing the same experience that you are having in the operatory that they would then experience in the front office. Like that is just so, so cool. So when you're trying to get somebody into this space or create the listening for it, how are you really bringing people into kind of the zone of your own genius? So when you're talking with teams or when you're talking with patients, you know, you have a very, it's a very empathetic approach, but also very logical in reasonings and understanding, right? How are you bringing your team or anyone else in your practice into that experience? Like, what is that experience when they come in? 
a lot of the things I tell patients when they come in is I validate their emotions. And I do this with my team as well. And let's say I have to deliver bad news to a patient or bad news to a team member. I tell them, whatever you're feeling right now, it's okay to feel that. So the most common thing a patient says to me is like, I'm nervous or this, I'm scared to do this procedure. And I always say, it's okay to be scared. Instead of telling people, don't be scared, don't be frustrated. I think people respond better if you tell them whatever they're feeling, it's okay to feel that way. Wow. I think that's really great. When you are going through like discussions around like emotional intelligence and emotional regulation, you know, creating a space for people just to feel how they feel is really important because not only it provides that sense of trust in from a patient to provider relationship perspective, but also just caring, right? Like how many providers are actually caring about that? I've been told by providers, oh, it's going to be fine. It's going to be quick. You're not going to feel a thing. But what does that do up here? It doesn't really do much to our psyche other than, okay, I'm being reaffirmed that I'm going to be okay, but that doesn't change how I feel with the nerves and anxiety and anxiousness. So I think it's it's always funny to hear about how that's being really brought forward and really comes full circle. <laughs> So um, some of the other recent developments that you are working on, I know that you mentioned that you have your podcast, you're really working on championing the different, not mantras, but aspects of now the education system, which I think is really awesome, because that's where we need to be talking about it. What inspired you to go into the route of the education focus rather than focusing more so on the clinical practice level communication? I don't know why, but... I maybe because I felt this way in the past, I care so deeply about people who are caring for other people because dentists, doctors, nurses, all these people, they go in 40, 50 hours a week and they really try to, most of them improve the health and life of these other people. But where's the support system for the doctors? Like when you think of doctor or when I think of doctor, even I think like, okay, big house, Mercedes he or she is killing it. They don't need help. But if you look at all the stats, doctors and dentists have a seven to 10% higher likelihood of killing themselves than the regular population. And this is startling. You don't want to go to school for eight years, spend half a million dollars in education, and then kill yourself after all that. That's awful. I don't want anyone to kill themselves. But I connect with these people because I'm one of these people. So yeah. I find that through my research, there's like five areas that if you don't have control over, you're likely to get depressed. And for a dentist, it's going to be time, money, your physical health, your mental health, and your relationships. And we're not taught anywhere how to manage any of those five categories. Right. right. I'm exactly right. Some of the research I'm doing currently is showcasing that, right? That is a huge void and huge gap. And when you go through those different five layers of what you just mentioned, it makes you think about, well, damn, is this really the right profession knowing that those five factors are things that you're going to experience potentially on a daily basis inside of your career? So being able to see that it's not going to be like that forever, or there's going to be maybe one of those aspects shows up today versus three tomorrow, you know, being, I would say, optimistic about going into the field of dentistry is, is intentional, yes. But I also think from a provider perspective, if you want to be a dentist, these are the areas you need to start educating yourself in while you're still in school, because nobody else is going to teach you. You're going to learn from it either 
on the job, or it's going to be self-study, right? You're committed to your own personal and professional development. So let me pour into understanding one of those areas that you just mentioned, right? How do I manage my time best? How do I manage my relationships best? And, you know, I, I'd love for you to share a little bit about one of the goals that you've just accomplished. And, and that was something that you mentioned at the start of the call, because there's a possibility for people, even if you're in a zone of just graduating from school, you've just purchased your first practice, you've hired your first team member, you know, there, there is opportunities out there for holistic dentistry to take place that is not just focused on the patient, but focused on the well-being of the provider. And I think that's what's important. I know I follow you all over on social media events. So (laughs) I know you're talking about, you know, health and wealth, of course, with your podcast, but definitely the physical aspects too, like having that accountability, having that support system. Talk to me a little bit more about what you're doing to create that community. One of the biggest changes, and I I have, you know, something that really, really hurts my heart is a very close friend of mine is now going through a divorce. And he probably didn't manage the relationship aspect the best. So the community that I'm trying to create, just like my peers, text group, podcasting, and I'm really trying to, and I'm not a guru of anything, but I want to explain to these dentists that it's so easy to get absorbed in dentistry. And you'd realize dentistry is just a small facet of your life. And it's not the end all be all. What's the end all be all is like your relationship with your husband. That's more important than your work or my relationship with my family. And I think if dentists can start there to say like, if you believe in God, God's number one. If you don't, that's fine. Maybe family's number one. And then like dentistry is like seven on the list. (laughs) And if you take an approach where dentistry is not number one, it's like, you're less serious about it. And it's almost like it's less of a big deal if like every day isn't perfect for you. Yeah, definitely. So when you're going through almost... I always call it like the priorities of the priorities. How do you identify your own priorities? So coming into a new dentist or you're working with a new dentist, they're looking to start their own practice or have just started. What's some of the coaching or tips that you typically provide to people that are looking to get the sense of balance just back in their life? Number one, sleep. If you, So I do, I'm starting to coach younger dentists and if they can't commit, to minimum seven hours, but that's still not enough. It should be eight. I get seven, so I'm a hypocrite. But if you can't commit (laughs) to seven hours of sleep, the rest of your life is going to fall apart. A bare minute. And then the second one needs to be meditation. And I'm relatively new to this, but meditation will really calm your brain down because we're always in fight or flight. And long-term chronic stress will lead to chronic disease. So you need to be able to sleep at least seven hours and create a daily meditation practice. That's like bare minimum. Okay. So I've heard a lot about the meditation and the science behind it. I've heard a lot about like, wake up at 5 a.m. every single day, do an ice plunge, meditate, journal, all these things, right? So in my head, I'm like, geez, okay, here's one more thing or another routine to start before my routine, before the routine of the routine, right? (laughs) That's so true. It's so crazy. Uh, But for the meditation piece, since you mentioned that you're new to it, this is great information for, I think, you know, novice people like me or people that are like, "Eh, I don't know if I want to try it and sit with my thoughts because that could be also dangerous. (laughs) Very true. How did you really ease yourself into that? And how's it working for you? It's working really good. now. I've been on and off meditating for like 10 years, but I've always thought it was complete 
BS. I would sit down for 20 minutes, close my eyes and like just worry for 20 minutes, which like had the opposite effect in actual meditation. <laughs> and then I finally was recommended a book by Dr. Joe Dispenza. He's a chiropractor, but talks a lot about meditation and manifesting. And I bought, and this is not an advertisement for him, but I bought his guided meditation. And it's almost like training wheels for meditation. So I, I sit down and it's an hour long. So it's a time investment, but to say it's been a huge help just over the past month. Wow. That's awesome. Well, that's definitely great. I'm glad to know that there's those types of resources out there to really jump into it. Um, I did a chiropractor. I went to a chiropractor a few years ago that did more of like the energy style of healing. And she was also talking about meditating more and bringing that into the like healthy habits, if you will. And I always thought it was interesting because her form of chiropractic was like that energy stuff. So like, it's like the taps and the movement. She's kind of like grazing your hair type of thing. <laughs> um, it, it's an interesting experience. But again, meditation has consistently been something that I've been hearing. And the more and more I hear about it, the more and more I'm like, okay, maybe that is something, you know, worth giving a shot, even if it's a couple of minutes to try and jump in there you know, it, it's a new experience. <laughs> it's not going to hurt. Yeah. It will take some time, but it's definitely not going to have any negative side effects. Yeah, absolutely. So you're balancing the role between practicing dentist, husband, family man, as well as podcast hosts. How are you finding the time to really be with yourself, meditate, connect and fulfill on your relationships? How's that working for you? How is that helping? Are there other routines <laughs> that you're creating to really abide by them? A consistent sleep schedule. So okay. 9, 30, 10, I go to bed and five o'clock I wake up even Saturday and Sunday. Wow. So my, I have four kids at home. My kids probably don't get up till like 7.30 or eight on the weekends. So I'll have a good three hours on Saturday and three hours on Sunday to meditate, exercise, and then do some minor work. And then I dedicate the rest of the day to my family. So JB, you know this, we only have 24 hours during the day. So you do have to cut time elsewhere to prioritize what's actually really important for you. Absolutely. I think that's so great. And I love just hearing how these types of routines are actually put into play because you hear it from a coaching perspective or you might hear it on Instagram or somewhere else on a video. And they're really great. But when you actually hear and see someone applying it and generating it for themselves, that's where you can see the opportunity for somebody else to really follow, right? Leading by example, and then really falling into all of that aspect of it. And I think it's just really cool. Um, I love everything that you've shared, Dr. Vince. I think this is really great. I think what you're sharing and bringing to the community of dentistry is super powerful. And as well as it being necessary, there's, of course, conversation and discussion, but not enough action that you're bringing. I think that is what's missing from our community is the action, is the orientation, is the continuous involvement in education around suicide prevention, and most importantly, mental health within our industry. It's something that's going to consistently be needed. I don't think that we're far from having this being resolved, <laughs> uh, unfortunately, but there are definitely some areas that I think you are already championing within your region, your community, and bringing just some really great enrichment to this discussion. So I'm going to give you some kudos, Dr. Vince, but I'd love for um, our listeners to learn how they can follow you, reach out to you, connect with you, get some coaching, uh, whatever it is that they're able to get from you. I want them to have. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much. And first of all, thank you for having me on your podcast. I know the tagline is 
is it mental health equals dental wealth, right? Yes. Yeah. And after our podcast, I was like, that is genius. You're so right. Um, the better you feel on the inside, the better everyone around you feels. So don't feel selfish for creating boundaries, for working out before work, before actually doing the best for you, because that means you can do the best for other people. The best place to find me is Instagram, Vince DDS. That's my tag or my handle. I'm not sure what they call it. And just send me a DM. Um, I do put my phone number on my podcast and people call me all the time. Um, email me at vbushamydds at gmail.com. If you're struggling, just reach out to me. I'm not a therapist. I'm not a psychologist. I'm just a dentist, but I may have some insight to help some people. Amazing. Amazing, Dr. Vince. Well, thank you so much for being a guest this week on the Chief Cycle Podcast. Always a fan of yours. I will be dropping your information on our little breakdown so they'll be able to reach out to you. Uh, well, thanks again for joining the Chief Cycle Podcast and thanks to all our listeners. Take care. Thank you, JB.